Hi, everyone. Welcome again to the Autonomous and Electric Vehicles Summit. My name is John Gallagher, uh, a senior editor here at FreightWaves. And we have with us in this fireside chat Anne Rundle with ACT Research. Um, Anne is ACT's Vice President for Electrification and Autonomy, which is a, a perfect fit for, for this conference. Anne, thank you for taking time to join us today. Oh, thanks, John. Um, we certainly appreciate the opportunity to share our findings. Um, it's all great stuff. Autonomous vehicles, electrification. It's uh, a cool time to be in our industry, I think. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I, I wanted to, to chat with you today on the, the policy side of things and specifically like or the regulation side of things as well um, when it comes to autonomous and electric vehicles. And we'll, so we'll start with um, the uh, uh, autonomous vehicles. Uh, on the federal level, both FMC, FMCSA and um, NHTSA, National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, they're in the process of putting together rules to uh, basically safely integrate um, autonomous driving systems, you know, both from the, the driver slash fleet perspective and from a manufacturing um, perspective. So, could, could you give us just sort of a, a quick overview, um, status check on, on what the feds are planning to do, um, you know, wh when they're looking to do it and, and, and why that's important? Yeah. And um, so maybe not so easy of a task because who knows what they're going to do, right? Uh, ish, I shouldn't say that. But um, it, I think just framing it up, um, back in, last year, NHTSA put out regulations that said, uh, if there was a crash or an incident with involved with the ADS that had to be reported. So they're starting, I think, to set up um, information gathering. And then in March of this year, um, they amended FMVSS, so Federal Motor Vehicle Safety Standard, to you know basically address if there would actually be a drive, no driver, so no steering wheel. And, and the intent of that was to make sure that you were still protecting an occupant right? So in, in, inside the cab. Um, and, but other than that, things pretty quiet on the NHTSA side of it. FMCSA did put out back in May of 2019, so right three years ago, on advanced notice proposed rulemaking. And the comments were uh, closed in August then of that year of 2019. So things have been kind of quiet um, on their side since then, I mean, a lot of discussions and talk um, from everything that we've seen and, and conferences we've been part of, the, the word on the street and what they have said is that by November, they would come out with a notice of proposed rulemaking. But uh, there's other people that are, would say, let's not hedge our bets and expect to see some something in November with uh, you know, ribbons and bows tied around it. And I, I just think that there's other regulations, not necessarily in this, but I think even our industry, people were expecting to see something from the EPA on NOx in 2021, and it didn't come out till 2022. So I, I use that as an example to say, um, yeah, November is when it's been talked about, but that timing could slide. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, no, that does. And, and in the, so on the FMCSA side with this proposed rule, can we um, expect it to um, address hours of service 
regulations, um, how, how those will be affected, you know, now like we'll drive, because I mean, because drivers aren't going to actually be in the truck, essentially, um, when they come up with these proposed rules. So, um, you know, even though they're in the cab, but so are we, can we expect the FMCSA to come up with um, hours of service rules that reflect that or that make changes to take that into account? It would, it would seem logical that that would happen, especially when you consider that in these early stages, even though the vehicles would be fully equipped um, for a total driver out, there's still going to be safety drive, you know, there's still going to be a safety driver or the, in the, you know, the condition of, of a convoy where there's a vehicle following another vehicle, uh, like locomation is, is looking into, or even if you're using in the system. So, I think of when hours of service restrictions were put in was to say that driver is fully attentive, paying attention, fully engaged and driving. And if, in fact, you have situations where the system is doing the driving and and that can be noted by, you know, the system definitely knows when the driver is not engaged, when, when the vehicles, when the ADF system is doing it. Could there be a way to relax those hours of service to say, okay, the guy's in the truck, he logs in, he drives at a certain extent where that ODD isn't isn't in, and then he basically punches out the clock, right? And now he's not driving the truck. So the truck, the system, the ADS system is driving the truck. Um, does that time, do those multiple hours of while that's going along on a, you know, stretch of Interstate 10 or Interstate 40 or 80 or wherever, does that count for hours of service for that guy? So I, I would expect to see that FMCSA is going to be taking a look at that and practically saying, how do we change that? Um, because you there are conditions or situations where perhaps there's a driver who's still needed at the end of a route or other cases where you want to still have a driver in but you wouldn't want to be held to those same hours of service restrictions. Right, right. And also um, sort of on the enforcement side of things, do, are, would it be a safe assumption to say that these rules will, will be looking at, at the enforcement side? That is like, um, you know, how, how roadside checks will, will have to be um, changed potentially going forward uh, on, on, on that end? Yes, I, I, absolutely. And I think that's the one of the things that, and you and I have talked about this before, is that those federal regs could put in some form of standardization. So there's a couple of ways that one might say, I'm going to certify this truck before it goes on driverless. So now if there's some standardized way that says, well, here's, here's all these checks that goes through and there's a human interface that is certifying that the truck can operate in da, 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 and then it goes out. That could be relayed then to, you know, to whatever entity is required to do that. And say the truck is driving along and instead of having to be inspected, there's there's a way that it could wirelessly communicate back and say, okay, here's here's how the op- here's how the operating conditions are of that truck. So you have a human initially certifying it. It goes down the road or, you know, it's on the highway or wherever it is that can be communicated back through whatever, you know, entities would want it. The other condition is what if uh, law enforcement is, is, um, you know, wanting to pull over a vehicle? What, what, you know, what's the protocol for that? How, how is that going to happen if, if a truck becomes disabled and does pull over to the side of the road? 
um, how do, how do triangles come out or how to flare, you know, how, what, what would be the protocol in order to, you know, notify drivers who are on the freeway, okay, this truck is off the road. Now today, you know, truck pulls off the road, uh, driver comes out, he puts the triangles out or he puts flares out. Well, if you don't have a driver to do that, how, how does that happen? So I think there's some of those kind of um, issues that today a driver does. If there's not a driver in, how, how does that truck system uh, satisfy and what, what would be the protocol to, to respond Gotcha. And how about on the uh, shifting over to the state side of uh, of, of things? And um, you know, we always hear about the, the uh, in terms of the testing, these autonomous vehicle tests that are going on. A lot of times, you ke- you keep hearing about about the the fact that we have all these um, we have different regulations in different states, and what and what, and what states are allowing testing, and 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 to what extent they're allowing. What, could you could you give us kind of a, a quick update there? Sure. I mean, and, and a lot of times people refer to it as a patchwork, right? Because because there's difference in the states. But I think that um, rather than looking at it as a negative, is is to look at it as a positive. So so there's actually there's 21 states that have no rules on the books one way or the other, and those tend to be you know the northern states. There are 20 states, so like Nevada, Utah, Arizona, Texas, Colorado, Oklahoma, Arizona, Louisiana, da 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 da. If you just imagine that whole southern stretch of the United States, those those states actually have rules that say yes, you can you can test, yes, you can drive, you can have a vehicle with a drive route. Uh, a lot of times, people think of Texas. I mean, and, and Texas absolutely does, um, but it, but there's a number of other states that do. And then there's t- states that there's eight states that allow explicitly on the rule books testing, but that doesn't say they restrict operations. So you could say, okay, you, you can test. You have to you have to submit your test plan to the state DOT. Um, and there's one anomaly that there's one state, which is the state of California, that absolutely specifically says you cannot operate with a driver out. Can you operate with a safety driver? Da 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 da. Absolutely. Can you operate with a driver out? No. Um, but there's 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 already been a letter in June sent out to Governor Newsom requesting a bit we look at that. Um, so um, I, I think people see it as a negative, but I, I, I don't, um, one would expect that when federal regs come out, that it would be in harmony with what is today in place in states and would only just look at things from a standardization type of a perspective. Gotcha. Um, uh, to shifting over to uh, electric vehicles. So the uh, the biggest news that came out there recently was the Inflation Reduction Act was signed, and there was some uh, provisions in there for um, uh, electrification and zero emissions vehicles. Could you could you kind of kind of talk briefly and about the um, potential there for for medium and and, and heavy duty trucks in terms of uh, the tax incentives and, and any any sort of financial incentives that were that were included in that in that law. Sure. Um, and I, um, of course, I get excited about stupid stuff, but I, I think it's pretty cool. And it's the first time that commercial vehicles were actually looked at, right? So um, they actually added a whole section, section 45W called Clean Commercial Vehicles. And that says there is a tax credit. It's capped at $40,000 and it is either 30% of the base cost of the vehicle or 30% of that incremental cost uh, against uh, an irregular, uh, not clean, you know, so an internal diesel engine. Um, and 
And then there are other restrictions. So there's even a 15% cre uh, credit, um, but that would be if it wasn't strictly uh, powered by, um, by, by, that would be not diesel or gasoline. So there's that, that's huge. Um, you know, $40,000 is nothing to, to, to sniff at and it, it's right up front, you know, so it, it reduces that acquisition cost of the vehicle. But besides that, that credit, and also I should mention what's interesting, on the passenger vehicle side, there are restrictions based on um, critical minerals and battery components. As I've read through this 273 pages and looked at it again and again, those restrictions do not apply to commercial plane vehicles. So that's do not apply. Um, what they do require is that they're manufactured in North America. Um, you know, uh, that it is uh, greater than 14,000 uh, gross vehicle weight. So it's a class four through seven. Um, they do require that you have to have a battery. The battery is a uh, 15 kilowatt hour battery. Um, and, and so as I read, even read those interp and interpret those regs, could leave it open for a hybrid, a plug-in hybrid. It has to plug, you have to plug in. So you could have a plug-in hybrid with a 15 kilowatt hour battery, and you could qualify for uh, as a clean commercial vehicle. There's also additional money. There's $10 billion of investment tax credit for manufacturing facilities. Okay, so for all the OEMs, all the suppliers, da, 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 that's huge. There's a billion dollars to straight out to replace vehicles for states, municipalities, and regions to take a clean vehicle and replace a non-clean vehicle. And, and out of that billion, there's, there's, um, then there's also this whole back and forth with everyone, the U.S. Postal Service, right? So there was an add-on to the clean, um, the, the Clean Air Act that put uh, $3 billion towards U.S. Postal Service, $1.29 billion just to purchase vehicles, just outright purchase, and then $1.71 for infrastructure. So huge. That's, that is, that's, that's, a lot of money. And I, I think it should, you know, I think we talked about this, this is going to help push the needle. I think so. I, I think it's going to help people, especially if you think of just flat out, I'm going to give you money to buy a truck if you're a state or municipality. P pushing the needle even even for, for long haul trucking? Um, that, that clean fleets is class six and seven only. So, so no. So long haul truck is most long haul trucks are class eight. So though some people have talked about, maybe you might look at a tractor trailer for a class seven, but that, that part for the 1 billion for the states, municipalities, governments. Oh, for the municipalities. How about for the tax incentives? The tax incentive is anybody, anybody and everybody. So, um, yeah. So it, obviously if you're a medium duty truck, that's a, a lower cost. Um, but you're probably not going to qualify for that for, for full, $40,000. Right. It's just that these, 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 you know, class eight trucks are so expensive. It, um, you know, some, some wonder if, if, if it will push the needle on those, uh, if those tax incentives will in fact be an incentive for those types of, of trucks. And, and I mean, this, 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 um, these tax incentives are up through 2032, right? So, um, so it, it, it isn't that today you're going to have to run out and buy, the you know use this you you've got you've got a, a you know kind of a ten year uh, run on it and and by that time we also would expect from battery technology and improvements that those costs will be coming down so you've you know it 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 it, it will that forty thousand dollars becomes a larger chunk as you get further down 
Good point. Good point. Okay. Just and just to wrap up, and I wanted to ask you, and ACT Research obviously does a lot of research. Um, when, when is your um, next uh, research going to be coming out? Um, and what, what, what's it going to be on and what's it going to be coming out? Sure. Thanks for, thanks for the ask. So we're just in the, in the part of finishing up our autonomous commercial vehicle study. So that's looking at class four through eight, <clears throat> looking at, you know, freight hauling and also vocational. We'll, we'll publish to our multi-study, our multi-client study participants at the end of September. And then we'll be um, opening it up to just an off-the-shelf purchase um, beginning in October. And then we're following right after that, we're starting our, what we're calling our third edition for uh, a decarbonization of commercial vehicles. So um, very much that's why we were totally looking at what's happening with Inflation um, Reduction Act. So we'll, we'll start that with a goal to publish that by middle of next year. So it's, it's a, lot, a lot of stuff happening. Yeah. So we'll look forward to... Uh... We'll look forward to seeing that. Well, and thanks again very much for uh, taking time to join us today. Oh, thank you so much. We appreciate the opportunity. All right. And thanks, everyone, for attending. Stay tuned for the next panel.